Well, let's take a minute again and let's thank our veterans today. Thank you so much for your sacrifice and service, not only those who have served in the armed forces, but also your families because they're in the service as well. Uh, thank you for the deployments upon which you have been. Thank you for uh, the uh, blood, sweat, and tears that you have given uh, for the sake of our freedoms. And we are thankful for you. We are grateful for your sacrifice and for your service. Thank you so much uh, uh, to all our veterans. And so we pray that God would bless you uh, as he makes uh, himself known to you, that you would find the fullness of life in his embrace. Uh, so thank you again to our veterans. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4. Uh, this is the last message on three circles. Uh, we've been, you might say, what's three circles? If you haven't been here before, three circles is a way um, for us to share the gospel with someone else. Um, it is essential. It is essential that followers of Jesus who have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ must share the gospel with others. That's not uh, merely the job of professional people like myself. Uh, it is the job of everyone who is a new creation in Christ. You'll hear in a few moments that um, you know, as we're sharing the gospel, we're pointing people to once you repent your sin and believe on Jesus, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says that we are now new creations in Christ Jesus, um, and we've been made brand new. Old things have passed away. Uh, that's 2 Corinthians 5, 17, but in verse 18, 19, and 20, it tells us that we've been given an assignment as new creatures in Christ. We've been called to be ambassadors for God. Uh, sharing with others how that they might find peace with God that we have experienced. This is not something that if you're a follower of Jesus, you can't do a pass on it. This is an act of obedience. So my prayer for us and the way we're going to end up today's uh, uh, message is an application. That application is for you and for me as followers of Jesus to make a commitment today that this week I will share the gospel with someone. And it's my hope and prayer that you start sweating a little bit about this because that means you're taking it seriously. We need to. Uh, that you start feeling a little bit of weight in, in your being that uh, I've got to share the gospel with somebody. It, and and that, that's something I'm supposed to do? Yes. And so I am praying and have been praying all this week and will continue to pray during the week that God would open the door of opportunity for you. In John chapter 4, we see Jesus having a conversation uh, with uh, a woman in a village of Sychar of Samaria. And Jesus pointed this woman away from sin and toward himself that she might find life in him. And as we uh, kind of glimpse at this conversation in John chapter 4, I want us to feel the weight of the conversation. Now, before we get started, at the end of each row, uh, there are white cards, not the little blue cards, uh, but white cards, just like index-looking cards. I want every person to grab one, every person, because we're going to do the circles. We're going to get some reps in. I want you to be able to, along with me in this message, I want you to draw the circles with me. 
So everybody get one, doesn't matter how old or young. If you're young enough to be in the room, unless you, uh, uh, haven't, uh, if you haven't learned to speak yet, because we have some non-speakers in the room. Um, but if you haven't learned to speak, if, you, if, if, you're, if you're old enough to draw a circle, then I want you to do this, okay? So everyone take a piece of paper, everyone get a pen in your hand or a crayon. Uh, if you don't have any of that, as Dr. J. Strack would say, get some lipstick or mascara uh, and use whatever you can, and we're going to draw the circles together. Before we draw the circles, I want to call your attention to Jesus in this conversation because it's very important. I believe what God did in this encounter between Jesus and the woman at the well is uh, a paradigm, a pattern that God does for his children like you and me. If we've been rescued by God's grace through faith in Christ, he leads us and opens the door for us to share the gospel. In John 4, we hear that Jesus was leaving uh, his area of ministry and going toward Galilee. But verse 4, John chapter 4, verse 4, the scripture says, but Jesus needed to go through Samaria. That was unusual. Faithful Jewish uh, people would not go through Samaria. They had great prejudices against people who were from Samaria. That's a broad history that you would have to look up. But Jewish people and Samaritan people, they didn't mix. And Jewish people thought they were better than Samaritans. That's why when Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, it held such sway because Jesus was saying that the hero of the story wasn't one of the religious leaders, but was a Samaritan. And Samaritans were despised by Jewish people. In fact, uh, in their, uh, if they had Waze or MapQuest or Mapsco or something to lead them, I just used two phrases, so you'll have no idea what that is. Waze you got, MapQuest and Mapsco, you have no idea what that is, and I feel sorry for you. But uh, if you were to plug in, uh, I want to go from Jerusalem uh, to Galilee, it would take you, the Jewish circuit would take you around Samaria. You wouldn't go. The, the quickest route from point A to point B from Judea to Galilee is through Samaria. But no, if you were a faithful Jewish person, you would skirt around Samaria. You wouldn't even go into the borders of Samaria. So when John chapter 4 verse 4 says that Jesus needed to go through Samaria, uh, that was revolutionary in and of itself. Uh, but there's more to it than that. <clears throat> in, the, in verse 4, the language that is used is very significant. That term needed, that verb needed in verse 4, needed is what is used in the New King James Version. Uh, that, that verb needed is in the Greek language, the original language. In the Greek language, it's a verb that means throughout the New Testament, God says you got to do this. It, it's a divine imperative. Uh, and so it wasn't just that Jesus wanted to go through, and it wasn't just that he didn't want to take extra time to skirt around Samaria, and it wasn't just that he was trying to make a revolutionary social statement. It didn't even cross his mind. Here's what he was trying to do. He was obeying God. He was ready to obey God. And I've got to tell you, this week, my prayer is that God would put that kind of compulsion on your heart and mine. And you would need to encounter that person that God puts in your path. And you would be ready to obey. So Jesus goes through Samaria, and we're going to enter into um, 
opportunities that God opens for us to encounter people in our work, in our neighborhood, across the street. Um, He is going to put people in our path and he's going to say, Eric, you need to talk to this person. And that's my prayer for you as well, that you feel that God is putting on you the weight to share with someone how that they can find life through faith in Christ. Share the gospel. All right? So as I've shared, um, uh, we're going to walk through kind of this conversation uh, together. And as we walk through this conversation, I've shared the last couple of weeks, I enter into conversations uh, using the FIRE acronym, F-I-R-E. It, you don't have to use that. It could just be one question. It could just start with, I have a granddaughter. Her name is Nora. And that opens a conversation. Jesus, in verse 7, talks to the woman at the well and says, give me a drink. And that was the opening of the conversation. Uh, we want to have a conversation with people that uh, opens the door for the gospel to be shared. And so, uh, F-I-R-E. We can begin by talking about family. Tell me about your family. Um, we can then move to interests. What, what do you do to have fun? And go to religious backgrounds. F, family. I, interests. R, religious background. Uh, are you a spiritual person? When you attend church, where do you attend? Do you have a religious background? Are your parents religious? You know, how were you raised? Were you raised with anything at all? Um, if you were to describe your, your spiritual outlook on life, what would it be? You see all these questions, you're trying to close the gap where they start thinking about spiritual things. So you, family, interests, religious background, and then the E is exploratory questions. As I shared last week, the exploratory question that I find most useful today is, what in your opinion does it take to have a meaningful and satisfying life? And that gets to a deep core um, a conviction of a person. What does it take, in your opinion, to have a, a meaningful and a satisfying life? You could say it a different way. In your opinion, what does it take to have hope in today's world? Uh, You can be uh, more religious and say, um, uh, what do you think it takes to have eternal life? They have a church background, they'll perhaps understand that language. But whatever it is, you want to get them thinking, and these are life's ultimate questions, by the way. This isn't just uh, 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 Jesus stuff. This is philosophy reaching all the way back into uh, uh, Greek uh, philosophy. Uh, These are core questions about life's ultimate uh, questions and pursuit. That's what philosophy is built on. What does it take for you to have a satisfying and meaningful life? And they'll give you some answers, and I'll give some answers. But, you know, uh, in, in this conversation, I've walked across the cul-de-sac. I'm talking to Bill and say, Bill, uh, I just want to talk to you today. Can, do you have a few minutes? Um, uh, how about those Tennessee volunteers? Thank you. Let's move on. Um, Bill, you know, I've always wanted to ask you a question. Um, what do you think it takes to have a full and a satisfying life? I've seen you out here working in your yard. I've seen you... I've seen you doing woodwork and working on uh, cars in your garage, and I've seen you with your family. I've, I've watched all this. Can I ask you, what do you think it takes to have a full and satisfying life, a meaningful and satisfying life? Now, you're invading that person's space, no doubt, but you have to if you're going to share the gospel. So, Bill, I, can I tell you what I think 
it takes or how I've looked for. I've, I've looked for a full and satisfying life, and, and I know you know that I'm a preacher, dude, and so that kind of gives the game away, by the way. Y'all are so fortunate. I mean, you are. You're not giving the game away before you even begin, but if I have to, uh, if I'm sharing with a neighbor, they know that I'm a preacher. They don't invite us to the cul-de-sac parties. That's not a joke. That's true. And the reason they don't invite is because I'm a preacher, not just a preacher, I'm a Baptist preacher, not just a Baptist preacher, I'm a Southern Baptist preacher, not a su- just Southern Baptist preacher, I'm Southern Baptist pastor of First Baptist Church in Norfolk. Dude doesn't want to come to our cul-de-sac party. Anyway, uh, so it gives the game away, but I'm talking to Bill. So I'm talking to Bill and I say, Bill, uh, you know, I've looked for meaning in my life. And from a young age, I realized that there was an emptiness inside me. I was trying to satisfy it. So I looked. And, and so, as you might imagine, I looked in the area of church. And so I tried to do church things. I tried to be a religious person. I tried to be a, a moral person. I tried to do, all, I do more good stuff than I did bad stuff. But no matter what I tried, there was still emptiness. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Does that track with you? I mean, anything to bring them into the conversation. Does that track with you? What do you think it takes to have a full, uh, a, a meaningful and satisfying life? You move from that, well, and he'll give an answer. And you say, I understand, I, I get that. Can I tell you, you know, I've, I've been on this search myself. And, and, and can I, do you have a moment? Can I just share with you what I've discovered the answer to that question is? Yes or no. They might say yes. They might say no. If they say no, say thank you. If they say yes, you're on. Uh, can I just share with you what I think the answer to that question is? Yes. Well, Bill, it all begins with God's design. Everybody take your piece of paper, and I want you to draw a circle. And in that circle, I want you to write the words God's design. The Bible tells us that God made everything. This is Genesis chapter 1. Now, I'm talking to Bill. Bill, you know, I believe the Bible and the Bible tells us. Now, I'm not talking about evolution. And if you get off on evolution, you're doing it wrong. You're not trying to prove uh, seven days of creation, six days of creation and a day of rest. That's not what you're trying to prove. You're trying to show people how that they can experience life through faith in Jesus Christ. So you're not talking about evolution. You're talking about the gospel. Does that make sense? You might not agree with that, but I can promise you, the Bible does not say, I want you to be witnesses of the seven days of creation. Does it make sense? You might not agree with me, but I'm just telling you. You want to bring your Bible, we'll talk about it. Okay? Your goal is to point them to Jesus. And once you point them to Jesus, then you get... At the end, once they become followers of Jesus, that's discipleship. That's when you work on other stuff, worldview and stuff. If you're trying to change their worldview before they become a follower of Jesus, you're just trying to get them more moral. The goal is to get them into the family of God. All right, so um, uh, Bill, you know Genesis 1. You know I believe the Bible is true. Genesis 1 tells us that God made the heavens and the earth. Now, Bill, however you look at that, you know that there's creation. And I believe that there is a creator, and that creator is God. And the, in Genesis chapter 1, it tells us, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, the Bible tells us that God created us to have meaning and satisfaction in life. God created us 
to have meaning and satisfaction in life. He created everything. Everything was awesome. Everything was great. And Genesis 1.27 says that God made us in his image. God made human beings in his image. That means that God made us, created us, to have meaning and satisfaction in relationship with him. Everything was great. God's design brings blessing, always. But Bill, there's a problem. You have a problem, I have a problem. The whole world of humanity has a problem and begins in Genesis 3. See, even though God's design was perfect and brings blessing, sin entered the scene of human history. Right now, draw that little arrow at the top from God's design and write sin above it. Bill, you know what sin is. I know what sin is. Bill, has there been sin in your life? Yes, there's been sin in my life. Bill, what's a sin that you have done? I know you don't want to tell me. Let me tell you some of the sins that I have done. Bill, Romans 3.23 tells us that all of us have sinned. Every person in human history from the beginning of time to today has sinned. That's Romans 3.23. Romans 6.23 tells us that the penalty of our sin is death. Sin has separated us from God. And that's our problem. Your problem, my problem, the reason I can't find a life of meaning and satisfaction is because my sin has separated me from the source of meaning and satisfaction. That's God. Are y'all tracking with me? Okay, so sin is the problem. Sin, my sin, has led to, draw a second circle, brokenness. Because of my sin, my life is broken. Because of my sin, my life is broken. Because of my sin, my life is broken. You think you can say that? One, two, three. Be- that is such an important truth that you need to share with someone when you're sharing the gospel. And Jesus shared it with the woman at the well of Sychar. Uh, he, he said, he said uh, hey, call your husband and have him come here. Now, Jesus knew this woman, and he knew that, that she had a broken, that her life was a mess. And her life was a mess because she had been through one, two, three, four husbands. The guy she was living with now wasn't her husband. And her life was a mess. He knew her life was a mess because she was in the middle of the day getting water. She wasn't with the community of ladies that usually came and get, got water. She came in the middle of the day because she was ostracized from the community because of her choices in life. And, and, and uh, again, this isn't judgment on a lady. This is judgment on us all because that's what sin does. Sin breaks us. So when I'm talking to Bill, Bill, I want you to know that the Bible says that because I'm Uh, because of my sin, my life is broken. Because of sin, this whole world is broken, but we can make it personal. It's my life that's broken. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says that I'm dead in my sin and trespass. That, That because of my sin, I'm dead. There's nothing more broken in life than dead. Because of my sin, I'm broken 
And Bill, because of your sin, you're broken. What we try to do is we try to fix it on our own because we feel this deep sense of brokenness. Bill, as I was on this journey of trying to find meaning and satisfaction in life, I realized that there was an emptiness inside of me and no amount of religious pursuit could satisfy that emptiness. I tried everything that I could to be a better be, be a better me, but I couldn't get good enough to fill the emptiness that was inside of me. I was trying to fix what was broken in me. And I draw a little squiggly line, draw a little squiggly line a little, with an arrow. I was trying to fix what was broken in me with uh, religion. Or I was trying to fix another squiggly line, what was broken in me with Uh, uh, being good. The woman at the well of Sychar, she was trying to fix what was broken in her by chasing after the feel good of new relationships. You put relationships there. Bill, fourth squiggle, Bill, what have you been trying to fix? What have you been pursuing to fix what's broken in you? We probably already talked about it. And so uh, if Bill says, well, I've, I've tried to be a better person, I've tried to be a good dad or a good husband, or I've tried to be a good uh, employee, I've tried to do A, B, C, or D, you write that down. Bill, we talked about this. This is what you said that you're trying to do to find meaning and purpose, meaning and satisfaction. And because of my sin, I'm broken. Because of your sin, you're broken. But there is good news. The Bible says that there is good news, and it's called the gospel. Draw the third circle and write inside gospel. The Bible tells us that God sent Jesus to fix what's broken in us. The Bible tells us that God sent Jesus to fix what's broken in us. Because of my sin, my life is broken. The Bible tells us that God sent Jesus to fix what's broken in us. John chapter 3, verse 16. Do y'all know this one? I know I'm throwing a lot of Bible verses at you, but I want you to, y'all know this one? You don't even have to memorize this one. This This one's already in you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent Jesus to fix what's broken in us. Bill, I want you to see what John 3.16 is telling us. That God loved the world. Who's in the world, Bill? Everyone's in the world. Are you in the world? Yes, I'm in the world. The Bible says that God loved you so much. What did he do? He sent, he gave his one and only son, Jesus. Jesus is the hero of our story. And what did Jesus come to do? That if we would believe on him, we would not perish, but we would have everlasting life. Bill, you know what everlasting life means? It means a life of meaning and satisfaction. The Bible tells us, Bill, that we can have a life of meaning and satisfaction, not by fixing our brokenness on our own, but by rather looking to Jesus. Jesus is the one who has come to fix what's broken in us. The Bible tells us how Jesus did that. Jesus, who is and always has been God, 
became a man so that he might live life perfectly aligned with God's design so that he might pay the price for your sin and mine. Remember, Bill, the the penalty for sin is death. Jesus died on a cross in Jerusalem, on the outskirts of Jerusalem. Jesus died on a cross as the perfect one, paying for the sin of imperfect people like you and me. And being raised from the dead You and I are sinners, Bill. We can't fix what's broken in us, but God sent Jesus to fix what sin has broken so that we might have a life of satisfaction and meaning, eternal life. But before we can take hold of this gift of life, that Jesus offers. We must do the arrow, repent, and believe. Everybody say, repent and believe. Before we can receive this gift of life, we must repent and believe. We must repent our sin, and we must believe on Jesus. To repent, this is what Jesus, and Bill, this is Jesus' message. The very beginning of Mark's gospel, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, uh, uh, it says that Jesus came preaching, repent, and believe the good news. This is what we have to do to receive this gift of life, a life of meaning and purpose. We must turn away from sin, turn away from trying to fix our brokenness ourselves, and we must turn toward Jesus. That's what it means to repent. Turn away from sin and turn toward Jesus, and we must trust that Jesus is the only hope we have to find life and satisfaction. Jesus is the only hope we have because Jesus provides forgiveness for our sin through his death on the cross and gives us a new life through his resurrection from the dead. We've already heard John 3.16, whoever believes on Jesus should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 10.9 says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead. We can be saved. We can be rescued. But in order to receive a life of meaning and satisfaction, we've got to repent, turn away from sin, and trust Jesus. Believe that Jesus is our only hope to have a life of meaning and satisfaction. Because only Jesus can build a bridge between us and God. But once we repent and believe on Jesus, then we can recover the final uh, arrow. We can recover and pursue. We can recover our identity 
as sons and daughters in the family of God, and we can pursue God's design for our lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Bill, have you ever heard of that verse? If you haven't, let me just tell you what it is. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Bill, what that means is when we repent our sin and believe on Jesus, then we become new creations. In Christ, all the sin that we've done has been forgiven, has been wiped away. Now we can pursue God's design and live in the blessing of God's design. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says it this way. Bill, Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, once we've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus, then we are, we become, we are now God's workmanship. Ephesians 2.10, we are now his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Bill, do you understand what that means? It means that once we repent and believe, then we're brought into God's family And once we're brought into God's family, we have experienced life of meaning and satisfaction because we know God. And in that life of meaning and satisfaction, we now can live out God's design. And where God's design is, there is a life of blessing, of meaning, of satisfaction. So, Bill, really the question comes to you. This is the good news. What are you going to do with it? Another way you can say it is, Bill, is there any reason why you would not be willing right now to receive God's gift of life and satisfaction? Bill, is there any reason why you wouldn't be ready and willing to take hold this gift of life that God offers you. Make no mistake, it'll change everything. And change everything for the better. Bill, is there any reason why you would not be willing to receive this gift of life? And if he says, I don't want to right now, say, I pray that you would think about it. Let me know if anything changes. If he says, I'm ready, then you share with him. Remember Romans 10, 9. If we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart God raised him from the dead, we can be rescued. Romans 10, 13 says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord can be rescued. In order to call upon the name of the Lord, in order to confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, That means that you've got to admit that you are a sinner and that your sin has separated you from God. And that's your problem. You've got to believe that Jesus died for your sin upon a cross so that you can be forgiven 
and believe that God raised him from the dead so that you can have a new life. And Bill, you've got to confess that Jesus is your Lord and commit all that you are to him. Is that something you'd like to do right now? Yes. Then tell God about it. You see, you're not talking to me. You're not going through a religious exercise. Right now what you're doing is you're talking to the Creator and asking Him to forgive your sin through Jesus and bring you into His family. Why don't you pray that prayer right now? I'll help you if you want, but that's on you. Three circles. That's it. It took me about 30 minutes to do that. Let's watch David Frost do it in two and a half. You see, the world around us is filled with a lot of hurt. There's a lot of sadness and grief that involves it. Um, we experience this a lot of times when we lose loved ones or when um, our good friends upset us or something happens to them or their families. We feel hurt and pain. But that's not initially how God had designed everything to be. You see, originally, as God created the world, the world existed perfectly within God's design. And in God's design, everything was good and it was perfect. Everything was created as he has intended and there was no hurt, there was no pain. It was us living in relationship with God. But soon after God had created the world and his perfect design, this thing called sin entered the picture. You see, and this sin uh, separates us from our God. Uh, sin separates us from God, and it is what allows us to experience brokenness. You see, because with sin, we no longer are in that uh, relationship with God as God had designed it. We're no longer existing in his perfectness anymore. And because of that, we, are, we do feel pain. We do feel hurt. We do feel brokenness. And a lot of times we try to, to fix that on our own. We try to find things to, uh, you know, make us feel good inside. And sometimes you find that through the money in your jobs. You find that through relationships you have with others. You find it maybe through the sports teams or your passions or even sometimes the church. You know, we use all of these things as ways to um, fulfill the brokenness of our hearts to restore us. But the reality is, is none of that will fully remedy our hearts. We need something more than that. And God understood that, you see. So God had a plan for our brokenness, and that's called the gospel. You see, and in the gospel, we see that God sends his only son, Jesus Christ, to uh, come in the form of a man who is both fully God and fully man, and to live a life that never once experienced sin. And through that life, he died on the cross and raised three days later, paying the price for our sin. And in that moment, the gospel was fulfilled. And what that allows for us is that we can hear this gospel, but not only do we hear it, we must repent and believe in it. You see, to repent is to turn from our sin and to believe fully in the gospel, to believe in Jesus Christ and the work he has done for us. And when we repent and believe in Jesus, we have placed our full trust in him. What we find is that we are restored to God. Not only are we restored to God, but then we can pursue that original design he had for us. And as we pursue it, we are now children of God again, existing perfectly within his design. You see, God wants to live in relationship with us, but we must believe in the gospel and turn to him.
Two and a half minutes. I probably should have shown that at the beginning and not preached a 30-minute message, right? Here's the challenge. The challenge is, will you take the gospel that has rescued you from sin's embrace and brought you into God's family? Will you take that gospel, and this week, will you commit to walk through every open door God gives you? Will you commit to share the gospel with others? I can't think of any more significant act of worship than to be obedient to God by sharing the gospel with someone else. Will you join me in making that commitment? And as we have the opportunities, as Jesus had the opportunity with the woman at the well of Sychar, he was ready to obey. And when the door opened, he walked through and he began the conversation. He shared the gospel. He said to the woman, look, you're looking for, you're thirsty. And you're looking for satisfaction. It can only be found through the living water that I offer. That's John 4, 13 and 14. And the woman, she began to hear all that and she began to think, okay, I'm a religious person. Uh, I have a religious background. She started trying to talk to Jesus about worship. And, and she said, I know there'll be a time where we'll really worship God. And, and Jesus said, I'm the one you've been looking for to lead you to God. He said, the one you're speaking of, I am he. It's verse 26. He's saying, look, we have an opportunity this week to enter into the life of someone else and help Build a bridge between them and a holy God by pointing them to Jesus, who is that bridge. So will you commit with me to share the gospel? Not only commit to share the gospel, but I want to challenge you this week, as you have the opportunity to share the gospel with others, that then we report that. We take that 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 opportunity and we share it with one another. Next Sunday, we're going to have baby dedication. Next Sunday, we're going to have baptism. Next Sunday, we're going to celebrate communion together. And it's going to be a great day. But also next, next Sunday, we're going to share the stories of you and me telling others the gospel. So this week, as you walk through that door of opportunity, send your story to pastor at firstnorfolk.org. Uh, life group leaders, call those on your, in your life group and ask them, uh, is, have, you, have you shared the gospel this week? Who have you shared with? Can we share that story? And, and send those stories in to pastor at firstnorfolk.org. Listen, we want next Sunday, we're going to roll these stories across the, uh, the screens and we're going to celebrate. And, and it's not, I want you to understand the story. The story is not, I shared with Bill, and Bill said yes, and now Bill's saved. That, that may be the story. We'll celebrate that. But the story could be, I knocked on Bill's door, and I began a conversation with Bill. And I asked him, are you a spiritual person? Or I asked him, what does it take, in your opinion, to have hope in this world? And Bill said, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Guys, that's celebration. We celebrate obedience. Here's a, 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 a truth that I learned when I was in seventh grade. I was taking an evangelism uh, training course for the church, and the guy leading it shared this sentence, and, 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 and it's a sentence that I think is so important for us. 
A successful witness, successful witness, is sharing the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God. That's, that's, that's what we want to celebrate, that we are being faithful to share. So this week, we need to have literally hundreds of stories. Look, I walked through the door, they shut me down, but let's celebrate. Or I walked through the door and, and they said, look, I'm, I'm not interested in that. You know, you share the gospel. No, no, no. I'm not interested in the gospel. Or we share the gospel and they come to faith in Jesus Christ. However it goes, the results belong to God. Our job is to be obedient. So this week, the only way you can learn to swim is to dive into the water. The only way you learn to fish is to cast the first line. I won't use any more metaphors. We've got to do it ourselves. We have to do it ourselves. This is obedience, and this is what leads to revival in a church. So as we celebrate who Jesus Christ is and how he's changed our life, and as we sing about it here in just a moment, let's make a commitment today. I'm going to share the gospel.